Welcome to the Free From Binge Eating Podcast with me, Breed, your host. Binge eating sucks. Trust me, I know. I was stuck in that spiral of binge, restrict, diet, yo-yoing weight loss, feeling guilty and ashamed, and hating my body for 10 years. Now that I'm out, I'm turning my pain into purpose by helping you stop binging, start loving your body, self, and life again. It's time to live free from binge eating. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome everybody to today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for spending the time with me. This one is a biggie. It's all about my healing journey. I've been asked about it quite a few times. I've been asked to share the whole story and I thought it was just about time that I sit down, draft it all out and share from start to finish or start to now what things have looked like for me. I'm gonna go super freestyle with this. I don't want to edit this at all because I just want it to be real, just a conversation, like I'm just telling you a story and also I just want to save the time because I know this is gonna be longer than my usual app and I just like to be efficient like that. So let's get into it. Actually wait, first I want to share a quick announcement if you guys haven't seen already on Instagram. I have shared a freebie. It's a guide. It's super, super helpful. Five game-changing steps to help you stop binge eating. So if you felt overwhelmed, you've been trying a few things and you just feel unfocused or unstructured in trying to kickstart your healing, or wherever you are at in your healing journey from binge eating, this is the guide for you. Totally free, as I said. And I really sat down and thought, okay, what are the five tools that I have seen work so well for so many women? Like what are the common patterns I've seen be so life-changing? So I shared them in the freebie. I teach you about what they are, how to implement them, give you some tasks to try out for a week, some journaling prompts to really get you going because, you know, it really is what's caught and not just what's taught. You can read things, you can watch videos, but if you don't catch it, as in if you don't absorb it and implement it, it's pointless. So I really make sure that I guide you or direct you towards how you can implement it too. So very exciting, freebie. I'll pop it in the show notes. It's also in my Instagram everywhere because I'm excited about it. It's just very, I know it's super helpful. And aside from that, if you have been curious or you've been wanting to invest in yourself, you want an opportunity to work together in a really intimate container, a group setting, just have like a wonderful safe space to heal, to get the guidance, to have the accountability, the personal aspect, then definitely stay tuned because I've got some good things coming just around the corner that I'm I've been dying to share with you guys. Like I've been prepping behind the scenes for the last month or two. So I'm so excited to share this and see the amazing women that choose to sign up. So enough of that. Let's get into this healing journey, what you guys came here for. Why am I sharing this? Well, obviously, as I said, it's been asked for quite a bit, but you know, I was thinking maybe also someone might just be curious. If you're learning from me, if you're seeing my Instagram pretty often or my podcasts, but you don't actually know my story, I thought you guys might be curious. You might, you might want to get to know me a bit more. And more than that, it might give you some inspiration. It might give you some hope when you see what my journey has looked like. And 
it might be helpful. You might see some similarities in your journey and see what's helped me and might be like, okay, that might work for me. Let me try it out. Might give you some ideas. So let's get into this. I'm just going to take a breath because (laughs) I always pause when I edit podcasts because I'm speaking so fast that I forget to breathe. So just bear with me because I don't want to edit and I just want to take a breath. In fact, let's just do it together. Inhaling through the nose. And out through the mouth. That actually feels really nice. I might do this more often in my podcasts. Okay, let's do this. This story is gonna maybe seem confusing, whirlwinded at times, because as you'll see, I jump around a lot geographically, the situations that I'm in. So it might get confusing, but bear with me. Let's start. So 16 years old, a super healthy, relaxed, peaceful, intuitive relationship with food, my body, like, never thought of, uh, actually, it's kind of amazing that by 16, I never, from what I can remember, didn't really hate my body in any way, I didn't notice what was wrong with it, I had a pretty good view of my body, I didn't see it as, like, super important, I didn't link so much of my worth to it, so it was really positive, looking back, like, what an amazing place to be in at 16. But then I, so we were in Hong Kong, my family and I, 16 years old, we, I get told, hey, we're moving to Russia, we're going to Moscow. And it seemed exciting, but also I was like, oh my God, I really wanted to finish high school with all these friends I'd had because I'd lived in Hong Kong for six years. And it was the longest I'd ever lived in the place because my, my family, we just moved around a lot because of my dad's job. And so I had finally this like really nice network and such good, like big um, community, but also like really quality, good quality relationships as well. I had all my sports going on, all my extracurriculars, like life was really good looking back at it. And then we went to Moscow and life turned upside down. I definitely went to Moscow with a good attitude. I was like, okay, cool. Like, the school was really cool. Like It was like this American-style school. And I'd usually gone to all these international schools that were more British. And these had like those lockers. <laughs> Sounds so stupid, but I was like, oh my god, we get like a, a full-length locker and this huge canteen. And it was like a really cool school. So I was like, this is exciting. I get there and it was just not great. Like I struggled to connect with people. I really did. And it was the first time in my life where I really felt that I'd always identified as shy or introverted but because most of the time I'd moved when I was a kid it's pretty easy to make friends when you're your kid like people just walk up to you and you're like they're like hey I'm Lisa nice to meet you <laughs> or you just start chatting and playing in the playground and so and then in Hong Kong I got there when I was 10 so it was pretty easy to make friends and I'd made all these friends over my teen years and then suddenly at 16 I struggled and it was just not good like those last two years of university you just really want to finish it off on a high with like a great group of friends you're starting to go partying you're starting to socialize in different kind of ways and like talk to guys and stuff and I just didn't have a solid foundation of friends there and that really took a toll on me and I didn't I don't think I realized it in the moment I don't think I explicitly thought to myself that I'm lonely, I'm lacking connection, 
kind of thing. And I, I did have some friends, but they were all just kind of, it sounds bad, but kind of just like friends to get by with, like just, almost, sounds terrible, but like almost friends out of convenience that you could tolerate. Oh my God, it sounds terrible, but that you could kind of like tolerate each other. It was good vibes, but you weren't best friends and you were never going to be best friends. And that's tough. Like it almost feels even more lonely. I just remember even the moments of going to the canteen trying to like find like my one good friend at the time and she wasn't there she'd be like kept late or something and then I was alone and I just remember that anxiety of not having anyone and thinking like everyone's looking at you and then you just try to find a table with kind of semi friends that you have and it's just awkward and not a nice place to be in so I started to notice over those two years I would start eating like pizza every day at the canteen for lunch. And I was never that person uh, before when I lived in Hong Kong. All my lunches I had like take leftovers from dinner. So pretty wholesome, whole food kind of nutritious stuff that was satiating and everything, like really good balance. But now I'm having pizza at the canteen every day or thinking I'm being healthy. Like this is the first time in my life where I started trying to be healthy. Actually, I'm literally remembering this right now. I would get the Caesar salad, which was drenched in a thick creamy sauce and like croutons. And I remember trying to start to be healthy because I noticed I was having pizza every day and I thought that was like the healthy thing. Anyway, I was eating pizza and then I started noticing I was going home for dinner and having two plates of dinner. I think I even remember my mom making comments on it. Nothing super mean but probably a bit concerned or just finding it unusual because I wouldn't really have done that very much. Maybe in Hong Kong I would have done it sometimes because I did a ton of sports, but now I wasn't doing any sports. And that was another thing that really changed when I went to Moscow. I went from literally playing for the national under-16s field hockey team in Hong Kong for Hong Kong playing on that team, another like three hockey teams, trainings, matches, netball, cross country, athletics. Like I loved sport and I still love it. I was so into it and I could have eaten anything and it would have been fine. But even still, I, I ate a really intuitive kind of, you know, in an intuitive way. And now I'm in Moscow. It's freezing, minus 20, minus 30 Celsius in the winter Winters are super long, it's dark, it's depressing, very different to Hong Kong where it's like hardly ever below 10 degrees Celsius in the winter, 30 degrees in the summer, really great. So it's just everything went upside down and I wasn't prepared. I didn't have the tools to adapt, to cope. I just in that moment, like I didn't. I didn't even know what was happening. Like it was just happening so bit by bit that by the end of high school, I graduated and I had gained about eight kilos, which for me at that time, at 16, I was, as I said, did a ton of sport. So I had quite lean muscle mass. I didn't have that much excess body fat. I probably could have done with more, to be honest. And suddenly I'd gained eight kilos, which felt like, a lot on my frame for someone who had never thought about weight loss, dieting, calories, nothing before. 
it actually sprung upon me when I remember it was kind of like the summer or the spring coming up to graduation in high school. And I had these jeans that I'd bought when I first moved to Moscow and they had a hole in them because they had become so tight that the fabric was pretty cheap. <laughs> the fabric had broken open or split apart and there was a hole and I couldn't really button them up. It was like I was forcing it. And I just started noticing a lot of my clothes were not fitting anymore. And it was shocking. I, again, I had never had this experience before. And I also remember one time my mum walked into my room. I was doing some homework and she said kind of surprisingly or in a concerned way, oh, are you, are you okay? You look a bit bloated or swollen on your face. I, she said swollen. And I was like, what? I was so shocked. Like, what is she on about? I'm fine. I'm normal. And she left the I was like, no, no, I'm fine. And she was like, oh, okay. And she left the room and I realized it. <laughs> I wasn't swollen or bloated. It was literally, I had gained weight. And again, I, I don't think that was intentional at all on her part, but it, it just started to all sink in around those moments that I was visibly changing. Like people could really tell now. And I finished high school. I remember thinking I looked horrible in my graduation photos. My face was so filled out. Like it was it looked so different to what it was two years ago. And I just felt so uncomfortable. I decided that summer, okay, before university, I'm gonna lose these eight kilos done like easy just going to go back to how things were and start fresh I always had this concept of starting fresh like starting fresh new leaf that kind of thing and which kind of was to my detriment over the years because it just it was kind of like a, another version of diet starts Monday kind of mentality but anyway over that summer I took it upon myself to lose eight kilos nothing I'd ever tried before never learned about weight loss never really heard about it much in my household because none of my siblings we were all like just super sporty and just all ate the same food that my mom cooked us my mom and dad at that age were like what 40 or something and they were pretty active the only thing I'd ever heard them talk about was like a liver cleanse thing which they did for like a week or two and that was it but yeah I'd never had any of this diet talk in my head even my friends we never talked about it ever so I, I can't actually remember doing this, but I assume I must have Googled, how do I lose weight? I learned about diets, I learned about calories and understanding obviously the, the mathematics of it, like how many calories are in a pound, how many I, can, I should eat per day to get to this goal and started doing all the maths, which I'm sure you guys know. Oh my God, I did that kind of calorie weight loss mathematics so many times. I was a professional at knowing all the numbers and the... Um, the conversion rates between like pounds and kilos, just like I knew everything. So that summer, tried to lose eight kilos. Um, I remember I went on holiday with my boyfriend to Spain. And I remember we went to the gym because he had gained weight as well in his final years of high school. We were both going to the gym. We were doing all the gym things, like treadmill, elliptical, trying to do it, trying to lose weight, but we were on holiday and we were also just enjoying food. So we weren't really getting anywhere. I then went to Hong Kong with my family over the summer and I I think I lost a bit. Like I, I'd say I lost about four kilos. I was really trying hard and it's so weird when I tell this story, things pop into my head that I forgot. So 
something I remember from that summer was I had told my mom, I want to lose eight kilos. It's my goal. Can you help motivate me? And I've always been quite motivated by money. Like, oh God, this sounds terrible, but my parents would almost like motivate or slash bribe me to get good grades by offering money per like A star or A I would get. So I was like super motivated by money. (laughs) And I was like, okay, like, let me just use this as my source of motivation to lose weight. Easy. Like, it's a no brainer. All you have to do is just follow the diet. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get some money. So I actually convinced my mom, or I think she was, it wasn't too hard to convince because she could just see, I just wanted this. I wanted to reach this goal and she wanted to help me, I suppose. So I asked her, if I lose eight kilos, can you help me buy this like nice handbag? And she's like, okay, deal. So I worked my ass off. I, I think I got a personal trainer that summer. I was like really into it. And I didn't lose all the weight. I went to university and I actually think I gained the weight back. Like I'd lost weight, lost four kilos in the summer, gained it back. So I started university back at square one, not feeling great. Now this is where things really start to spiral. So far, you know, there's been this lack of connection in Moscow. There's been um, emotional eating. There's been the weight gain, initial attempts at dieting, but now it gets bad. So went to university in London, in my dorm room, I had a room to myself and I had that lack of connection again. This is a, a common um, pattern that you're going to see throughout my story. So again, on my own, uh, actually now physically on my own because I'm in a room on my own, living on my own, which was just a recipe for disaster. And I hear this so often when other people tell their story as well, that you go to university and suddenly you're not around your family and you don't have that sort of accountability or even shame of other people seeing what you're eating. And now you just have a free-for-all. You just eat. No one can see you. You just eat. So now I'm buying whole boxes of granola, eating the whole box in a day. I actually remember specifically my best friend came down from Oxford and we hung out that whole day. She left at like 9 p.m. or something. And I remember, I can see the memory in my head right now, rushing straight from the tube station where I dropped her off, rushing to to the supermarket to buy my granola. It was sold out. I rushed to another one further from where I live, just desperate, like on a mission, got the granola, went back to my, my dorm and ate the whole box of granola that night. And I remember feeling so confused and guilty because I was like, I was like, this is my best. Like, I just had an amazing day with my best friend. And it's not like I was anxious or feeling socially disconnected or overwhelmed. I was with my best friend. Like, it was chill. It was fun. Why did I, why was I so desperate for her to leave so I could binge? It, it like, that, that thing happened, that happened quite a lot. And it always made me feel so confused and terrible that like their company still made me want to go binge desperately. So now the binging really starts. I remember ordering Domino's and there's like a two for Tuesdays thing. So I'd get like, I'd pay for one large Domino's, get another large free and I'd eat sometimes two of the large pizzas, which is massive, massive amount. Things were escalating. 
I joined the gym, I started to join boot camp classes that were in the park at like 6am. I was being very militant about it. There was no kindness. It was just like, I've got to lose this weight. What's wrong with me? I remember that boot camp, they gave you a meal plan as well. And it was so restrictive, so restrictive. I remember having, you know, those spring rolls, but instead of fried, it's like rice paper kind of rolls, like raw. So I remember having like four of those for lunch or something, which is looking back, probably, probably around 150, 200 calories, insane. So it all started to get it worse and worse and worse, gaining a bunch of weight, feeling very isolated, did not connect with people in my course at all, which was felt like a huge failure to me because I was like, oh, you know, it wasn't me, it was them at the school in Moscow. Just the girls are really like clicky. It's not me, it's them. But now it happened again in university. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it's me. Like, what's wrong with me? That started to exasperate my social anxiety which only further exacerbated my isolation. I remember saying no to friends trying to connect with me in that course to go clubbing, and I was saying no and then just staying in binging. Whew, it was just not great. In fact, <laughs> let's just take another breath because I'm speaking a lot. I just need to take a breath. Let's do it. Inhaling and letting it go. Okay, so at university gaining even more weight, benching is getting out of control, not great. Then the next summer, the next year, the next school year, we had to do an exchange year in Beijing. So the first time I did university, I did Chinese, mostly language, but also cultural stuff. So we went to Beijing in the second year. Again, dorm room on my own, only now I'm completely isolated from anyone I would have known. I had some family members in London, I had some old school friends, but now it's just me and the people on my course who, again, I just had these friends of convenience that we, we clearly were never going to be long lasting friends, but we just hung out with each other. So I felt so alone. I was in this dorm room and I remember my binge food, my binge food options were so limited there because at the time, just, I didn't have like dominoes. I didn't have these, all these chains in London that would have like brownies and cookies, all these things. It just wasn't there culturally. So I resorted. I had a subway across the road from my dorm. And I went there and started binging on subway sandwiches and their cookies. It was like the only thing I could find. And Snicker bars from the supermarket. I never even cared for Snickers bars. Never thought about subway ever. But now it's like the only thing. But I needed something. So I was binging on that most days. I remember it was just out of control. I felt so uncomfortable because I got there in the summer and summer in Beijing is scorching hot. I felt so uncomfortable. My thighs were chafing. My body was getting bigger and I was just not used to it and it was uncomfortable. And a memory just popped into my head where we did a trip with a bunch of people from the course to the Great Wall of China and it was boiling that day. It was so hot and I felt so uncomfortable. There was just sweat all the creases on my body and I, my thighs were hurting because I had to wear shorts. They were red like between my thighs and I had to try to walk, like spread my legs a bit. And it was just horrible, a horrible feeling. And I remember thinking that day, I felt like I'd done my makeup nice. I had a cute outfit. And I remember seeing the photos from that trip and I felt disgusted with myself. 
I always weirdly like I, I would see myself in the mirror and not see myself as that bad but then I would see photos and it would all come rushing in like oh my god this is how I look and I felt just so terrible about myself and I stayed there for about three months and then one day I was I think texting my mom and I was just saying like mom like it's it really sucks like I'm really depressed like by the way guys in conjunction with this I was depressed so that didn't help so I was depressed I was lonely I was binging I was spending all my free time in my dorm room, this tiny box room, which had cockroaches in it, watching TV and binging. So I was like, mom, I've, I'm just really struggling. And she was like, look, if there were no consequences, no repercussions, what would you want to do? Like, what do you want to do right now? And immediately, like my intuition was just quit. Like, I don't, I can't do this. I cannot continue doing this course with these people with the state I'm in for a full year I cannot do this and she's like okay do it and I was shocked I was so relieved because no one in my family had really done that before it we come from kind of like a high achieving kind of family and my school in Hong Kong just had this culture of good grades you know go to university get a good job go into finance consulting whatever and it had never even crossed my mind that I could quit. But when she asked me that question and I answered and she was like, yeah, do it. I was like, oh my God, thank, thank goodness. I quit the next day and I left a few days later. So I quit university in second year. I went to Hong Kong for the rest of the year. So I had to reapply to another university. I had to think through what's my what kind of career do I want to go into? What's my life going to look like? So adding on to the depression, the binge eating, the body image issues, I was lost. I was so lost in the direction I wanted to take my life, what my purpose was. And I felt this way for a long time, actually. I really struggled with that, but it just didn't help the whole situation. So I was really lost and I, I stayed in Hong Kong. My parents had a flat there. So I stayed there and I was on my own for most of the year. My boyfriend at the time, he was actually in an exchange in another city in China. So he would visit me quite often in Hong Kong. So I wasn't totally alone, but I was living alone. So, you know, the same pattern is repeating again. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. I just wanted to jump in to let you in on a little something that you're going to love. I'm so excited, so proud to be opening up another group coaching round. This will be the last time in 2021 that I'll be opening it up. It's a 15 week group course called DBE or break up with binge eating. So obviously it's designed to help you do just that, break free from binge eating. And more than that, do that inner healing. So we have long lasting, real results, real change, working on your body image, your beliefs, your self-talk. And more than that, your food relationship, really ensuring that you reach that relaxed, go with the flow, easy relationship with food that you so deserve and dream of. So it's a real combination of the practical, the do, and the inner work, the healing, the woo. So the do and the woo, that's me. It's 
going to be an incredibly supportive container, such a safe space with women just like you going through the same thing. We've seen amazing, incredible results in the past that I am blown away by, like you women. You guys continue to surprise me and just go beyond what I even expect. So this is definitely for you if you want to never binge again, not even think about binging again. It's out of your vocabulary. You don't want to care about your weight anymore. You just want to go with the flow and not be dictated by that number on the scale every morning. You want to reach real, true intuitive eating, being able to nourish, fuel your body, eat those fun foods that you want, but also take care of your body. If you want to learn to regulate your emotions, cope with those difficult times, so we're not going to food to deal with big emotions. And if you want to build your body confidence, that body love, body acceptance, don't worry, we go deep into that stuff because it is crucial. And if you want to rewire your self-talk, that mental landscape, so it's actually a nice place to live inside your mind. It's actually a nice, supportive, loving place to be. My method is based on not only my own experience, but helping hundreds of women so far heal as well. Clients one-to-one, -one, group coaching, online course, and of course my own coaching certification, plus research that I've done over the years. So this is it, this is the real deal. I'm so excited. So if you are ready to invest, if you feel so cold to this and you're just like, yes, this is for me, I'm in, then scroll down to the show notes because I've got a link there. You can click through, find out all the details, what's included. I share what each module is, pricing, everything. It's all there. So 5th of April, BBE group coaching. Are you in? Let's do this. I would love, love, love to invite you on board. So things really did spiral in a way this year, but kind of improved that year temporarily. What it looked like was I was alone. I by now has been eating on these Betty Crocker bags of cookie dough that makes like 24 cookies or something. And, uh, if I remember correctly, something like 5,000 calories, I don't know, uh, several times a week, along with other things, on top of all my other meals in the, in the day as well. And I was feeling disgusting. It was messing up my sleep because of the sugar high, obviously. My sleep was messed up. Sometimes I was just like sleeping into 4 p.m., staying up all night, playing video games. It was not a good existence. And... I remember I had beside my bed a piece of paper. I had drawn out a calendar and I was planning out all the calories on it, what I need, like the exact meals for like a whole month, what I needed to eat to start sorting myself out. And again, by sorting myself out, it was never about like sorting out the food thing. It was sorting out my weight. I was always obsessed about the weight, but kind of, in a way, though, I was caring about the binging because I remember on that piece of paper, I was also tracking how many days I could go binge free. So I had like a streak calendar. And I remember so clearly red crosses days and days and days in a row. I could not get more than like one or two days binge free for months. And things turned around temporarily when my boyfriend's mother this is so random but I went to dinner with his family and she was showing me she was like showing off that she does yoga and she's like really good at it at the time I guess she was about uh, late 40s or early 50s she was doing like that pretzel pose legs behind her head splits and I was 
inspired. I was like, oh my god, this is so damn cool. I had never done anything like yoga. I was always doing these really cardio intensive sports, running, netball, hockey. I'd never done yoga. And I was like, oh cool, you know what? I'm just gonna try this out. So I started going to the studio she went to, I started to get into it, and I started to feel better, but I was still binging. I did though start to feel more connected to my body, a bit of a better headspace. But I actually, again, popped into my head. I remember after yoga, I would rush home and go to Starbucks for their blueberry cheesecake. So random. Like, my standards were so low for binge food. <laughs> but I would scour all the Starbucks because it would usually be sold out. I would scour for like, oh, I want the blueberry cheesecake after yoga. So I'd always undo what I felt like were the positive effects of doing yoga. Not so much calorie burning because it's not much, but just the positive energy it put me into by then binging after or I would have these barbecue pork uh, pastry things which are so damn good but I would binge on them they made me feel shit but anyway then I was like okay enough is enough because one night I binged on another bag of cookie dough you guys might have heard me tell this story but it was 11 p.m or so and I was like I've got to do something about this I started going on a run at 11 p.m. in the dark up some hill in a residential area, sweating like crazy because it's so humid in Hong Kong, feeling so ill because I've got 24 cookies worth of cookie dough in my stomach. And I remember sitting down on the pavement, looking up at the sky. The world was spinning. I felt so ill. And I just thought, what is this life? This is not right. This is not how it's supposed to be and the next day I think it was I started looking for detox retreats detox centers I've got to do something drastic I've got to turn things around and I found this local place in Hong Kong just down the road from me some detox center where it's essentially one woman with a staff member and she was setting up this company that would help people lose weight and eat more nutritiously so I signed up for the program, got my parents to help me pay for that. And I went there the next day or so for my consultation with her. And she taught me so much about superfoods and the power of um, vitamins, minerals, vegetables, grains. And I was, I was so into it. I was like, oh my God, this sounds amazing. Just showing these clips of documentaries of people turning their lives around. I was like, oh my God, this is what I need. Good vibes. And she was glowing. She looked so good. I was like, this is it. Even her assistant who was doing the same program looked amazing. So after I was like, yep, sign me up. Give me everything. So I bought the cacao powder. I bought the flax. I bought the green powder. I bought the protein powder. I bought the blender. Like I got everything. I got the raw cacao, like dark chocolate everything she gave me not so much a list of what you need to eat like a plan she gave she did give me a recipe for a smoothie which I literally used for years I relied on it so heavily but mainly it was just a list of uh, add more of this and avoid this and the avoid list was mainly fried foods um, things with like heavy sauces dairy stuff like that and I was into it, the novelty factor, I was super excited. I took it on and I even remember going to McDonald's, uh, sorry, going to a theme park in Hong Kong with a bunch of friends 
and they all stopped for McDonald's for lunch. And I was like, nope, I'm doing my thing. And I packed some little salad, like some desperate salad with me instead of having the McDonald's. And I felt so proud. I felt like, oh my God, I've got this. I'm killing it. And it went really well, uh, according to what my success metric was at the time, which was losing weight and just feeling in a better headspace. After about a month or two of it, I had lost weight pretty fast. And I thought, wow, I feel amazing physically. I feel so much more vibrant and energetic. And I noticed that the whole plan basically was eat vegan. Like I had been vegan already for two months, something I would never have um, ever entertained before this, before accidentally doing it and then seeing the results. I would never have done that because my household was Irish, like meat with some potatoes with some vegetables kind of thing. Like all the dishes my mom would cook would be at least a third of it would be meat. So, and I didn't really know anyone who, I didn't know anyone who was vegan. I knew a couple vegetarians, mainly Indians though. So I always thought that was just their religious thing. So it wasn't something I'd ever think of. And suddenly I was vegan. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And I started Googling it. I started researching and I got into it and I got into the ethical side and the environmental side. And it was all great. I felt really inspired about life. I lost a lot of weight. I, over those six months, over the summer before starting my next round of university, I probably got back down to my 16 year old weight or something. Um, yeah, I'd lost pretty much everything that I'd gained and lost and gained and lost over the past few years. I felt on top of the world, truly. I felt glowing. My skin was beautiful. I was killing it with my running. I got back into running. My speeds were so fast. Like I, I felt so energetic. My digestion, like everything was great. And I was like, wow, veganism is the way. Like I, everything is amazing. And then, <laughs> then I went to university for the second time. So this time I went back to London to do mathematics with a minor in business management. And I was like, okay, awesome, fresh start. This is it, I'm gonna kill it. I'm doing the right degree this time. I've gone to a different university, like this university, the kind of culture, I feel like it suits me more. I'm doing this. And I, I was on such a high, I felt so vibrant and confident that I smashed it like freshers week. I made all these friends. I felt like myself, like I was vibing, you know, I was making real connections. I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is it. Like I'm back to the old me. And I was continuing with my vegan ways and everything, like really into it. And then before I knew it, three months in or even two months. Yeah, I remember. So we started early September and by reading week, this sort of midterm break that you get mid-October or late October, so even less than two months, I at that time was on my own for that reading week. I stayed in my dorm and I was desperately trying to lose weight. I was binging on entire buckets of peanut butter. I don't know about you guys, but in the UK, you can get not just little jars of peanut butter, but like these huge like buckets 
it must be about 500 grams or something or maybe even a kilo like it can last you months and months but I would go through it in days like three days and I would tell myself you know it's but it's healthy it's healthy fats I'd be dipping my apples in it going through it that way then I started using dates dipping like my dates with the the peanut butter or the almond butter still thinking oh yeah it's still like whole foods it's vegan it's all good but I was feeling so sick and I gained I think it was about 10 kilos in those first two months it had just flown on so fast and I was freaking out freaking out because everything was ripping away from me again so fast I felt like I got my life together, everything was under control, and then suddenly I'm losing it. The dates were so sugary, I would go through these giant trays of them, 50 dates or something in a night, messing up my digestion, the sugar of it, the sugar rush, it was so sickly sweet by the end. I remember telling my dad and he was like, Brie, that's a lot of sugar to be taking in. I was like, oh my god, I know, but I don't know what to do, like I really don't know what to do. So by now I'm getting a therapist at university, um, sorry, a private therapist. And that was mainly actually to talk about my, um, actually, wait, let me backtrack. I did go to a therapist in that gap year in Hong Kong. I went to a therapist because my parents got a divorce when I went to university the first time, like a month in, they out of nowhere, like unexpected got a divorce that actually lasted like 10 years but anyway so I was going to therapy for that I was distraught I was depressed my world was ripping apart and I so I was talking to her about the depression stuff and the family stuff but I was also going to a homeo a homeopath I don't know how to say it homeopathy person anyway homeopathy therapist to talk about my eating and she gave me tablets for that like those sugar tablet things the novelty or the placebo effect it really worked for like five days and then it was pointless so I stopped doing that fast forward now back to where we were in London doing maths started going to another therapist there but never about the food I never identified as being someone who had an eating disorder or even disordered eating I didn't see that at all and it's so obvious looking back but it wasn't even actually until about a year ago like a year ago while I'd started my business that I realized I had a eating disorder for a long time so anyway it's reading week I'm binging like crazy I'm trying to lose weight things just from there got worse and worse and worse I was constantly longing for that body that energy I had when I first went to university uh, the second time around but I just couldn't get it. By now I was cheating on veganism. I was binging on pepperoni pizzas. I felt extra guilty on top of the guilt of normal binges. I was alone in my dorm room. Here we go, there's the pattern again. I was so secretive, sneaking out to get the delivery, the pizza, sneaking up, hoping no one would catch me in the lift, no one would catch me in the corridors. And every time, I would go on holiday, say say if I visited Hong Kong to see my mom, I would always, every single time, ask her, mom, please, can you help? I just need to lose a bit of weight over the holidays, please help me. And she'd always help, she'd just do the diet with me, 
help me out. She didn't even need to lose the weight, but she would just be there to help. She just thought that was the only way because that's what it seemed like I wanted. That's what seemed like would make me happy. And it would usually work. The accountability, the surveillance of her usually helped. If it was a long holiday, I would I would have this build-up sensation of like, I can only go a certain amount of days or weeks before I just really needed to binge. And I would pray that for some reason she would like go to the bank or go see a friend. And I would kind of try to low-key, subtly ask her how long she's going to be out so I could rush the second she leaves the house I could rush the supermarket get my cookie dough finish it all clean up air out the place before she got back there was so much secrecy so the next those three years at university the second time around at uni it just all got worse and worse and worse at the most I gained about 25 kilos I don't actually know because I never gained my weighed myself at the very worst of it because I was terrified. I felt so out of control at that point. And that body felt so foreign to me. It was never something I'd seen for myself. No one in my family uh, struggled with their weight in any way. Everyone was pretty just like slim and active, no food problems. In fact, I was super jealous of my sister's eating patterns because she's she was intuitive, but at the same time, she went through a bit of a stage when my parents were getting divorced where she was depressed and under eating. And I was jealous of that. I was like, how is she eating half the cookie and then putting the rest away and eating it tomorrow? Like, I wish I could do that. I, I eat like 24 of the cookies in one go. So I was really jealous of her. In that body, I was um, just in a panicked, fear-based state a lot of the time. I hated all the clothes that I had because I didn't buy myself anything nice. I didn't have any photos of myself for several months at one point when I was at my highest. In fact, a few years ago, I happened to be going through an old like external hard drive, some stored photos, and I saw some a handful of photos from one Christmas when I was near my heaviest. And I remember when I saw those photos, I was so shocked. I didn't even recognize myself. Like, I didn't think it was me. Again, going back to that thing of, like, I never thought in the moment that I was as big as I was. Strangely, because I think most often people are the other way around. But then when I would see the photos, like, seeing that photo, I was like, whoa, I was so different. And I was so shocked in that moment. I deleted the photos from that hard drive permanently. And so now I have no imagery of myself over like a year span or something and so like at that body I was I was constantly on the lookout like how can I quickly fix my body it was always about like fixing it and I used to watch The Biggest Loser that reality tv show religiously I was such a fan of it I found it so inspiring I was like oh my god if they can do it so can I like they can lose like 20 kilos in a day then you know um, if I convert their current size to mine or like look at like the, the body fat percentage they lost in a week, I can do that surely as well or something near to it. So I would just be like, you know, I'm at university. I have all this free time. Why don't I just go to the gym for like five hours a day and just get this sorted out in the next few months and then just move on to my life. So yeah, I would go to the gym 
not quite that much. I would always set out to and then just like get bored or give up. But two or three hours for several months. I remember there was a point I was doing all these like aerobics gym classes back to back, completely exhausting myself and only to binge when I got home because I was under eating the entire day. So overall in that body, I was, it felt so strange. I felt so much anxiety around what people would think every time I saw my family over holiday periods or old friends, dreading, fearing, feeling embarrassed, like thinking that they're thinking, oh my God, she's just a mess. Like she's lost herself. Why is her weight up and down so much? So I was in a really bad state and sorry guys, this, this story is pretty long, but hopefully it's interesting at least or helpful. We'll get to the healing part in a bit. It's all going to tie together. It's coming to an end. Basically in the final year of university, I was in such a bad state that I went to, not exaggerating, probably about 5% of my classes that year. The year before, I probably went to about 20%. And the first year, maybe about 50%. So in the last year, particularly when, of course, the maths got really hard, I had to teach myself everything. And in the second year, I was teaching myself a lot. I was refusing to go to university because I was so embarrassed I remember there was a guy that I had had a crush on. We'd hooked up a few times in the first year when I was feeling like on top of the world. I remember being, for some reason, like him particularly, so embarrassed to let him see me, like let myself go. Like he would like pity me or be like, oh my God, like I would never go there now. So that literally that drove me to not go to university. And if I did, I'd like sneak in the back and like avoid eye contact and just sneak out and go home. So I skipped so much university that people probably thought, in fact, some people did say, like, we thought you dropped out. Like, we thought you didn't do this course anymore. And then the friend group that I'd had in the first year who I'd left for various reasons, partly they weren't the greatest people, but also obviously my isolation and just like not being able to bond with them, separating myself from them. So one girl in that group invited me to her birthday party in final year and I was shocked I was like oh my god like surprised she even thought of me surprised she even wants me at her party I'm gonna do this like I'm gonna push myself and go I hadn't gone to a party all year all year I had I actually would boast that I hadn't drank any alcohol for a year crazy (laughs) so I was like oh my god I'm gonna go I found an outfit and my cupboards that looked okay. Like I couldn't, I wouldn't want, I didn't want to buy myself anything new because I just hated my body. So I just like found something in the cupboard. I showed up. I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be in a good mood. I'm going to just try to be really sociable. Got there and I was at the bar. Maybe you guys have heard me tell this story. I was at the bar and this guy in the same friend group that I ditched He, in the first year as well, had had a crush on me, but I didn't like him back. And I remember that first year I felt this like power dynamic, like, oh my God, you know, when you know someone likes you and it feels so nice to like them flirting with you and you have this power. And I felt like the tables had turned. I could see in his face that he was like, what? Like, ew, like I could see it. And it wasn't just a figment of my imagination because... We went to, 
I was standing at the bar at that party and he came up to me and he was chatting and pretty quickly in, he grabbed my belly fat, grabbed it, laughed and said, oh my God, since when did you get so fat? And I was just shocked. It was a dagger to my heart. Oh, I felt so embarrassed, so embarrassed. I was praying no one around him heard that. I was, I, I can't remember exactly, but I think I laughed, like embarrassed, like jokingly laughed, like, oh, haha, like, I don't know. Cause I didn't know, I was so shocked. I didn't know what to say. And I ended the conversation abruptly and I went out to the cloakroom to leave. And this other guy went to make me stay. And I was like, no, no, I just can't do it. And I was desperately hiding, uh, holding back tears. I was about to have a breakdown. And I just like, I was just like, no, I, I just have to go. I have to go. And he was so confused. I was like, no, no, please just let me go. And I left and I went home and I was crying like crazy. And that night I happened to have a flight. The next morning I happened to have a flight booked to go to Zurich in Switzerland where my dad lived. And I think I was going to go there for some skiing. And I was so thankful. I was like, oh my God, I can escape. I can just escape this. I think I binged when I got home and I was in such a bad state, such a sugar high and a deep sleep that I almost missed my flight. I waked up, uh, I woke up from the, the taxi driver that I'd booked calling me and he'd left and I had to call another one. <laughs> it's all just coming back to me. But anyway, go to Switzerland. I was a wreck. I stayed with my dad, I think for like a month or two. And I, he was at work all day. I had the place to myself again, alone. And I was binging on those gigantic jars of Nutella, like I think it's 750 grams daily, plus entire bags of pasta, plus other meals. I remember going through the Nutella jars, just watching TV the whole time, and it, it was felt so sick. And from licking the spoon for hours and hours, my tongue, like the, the like taste buds or the texture on my tongue was different. It was sore or kind of inflamed from just licking this thick Nutella off the spoon, like with such force, like over and over and over. But I just kept doing it. I just kept going and hiding the Nutella jars, going to the supermarket, being embarrassed, thinking that they're thinking, why is she buying another giant jar the next day? But it went like that for a while. And then, then I flew to Hong Kong to be with my mom because I, th I think I actually, it was a plea for help. I think I told her like, mom, I... I need to sort this out. I need help. Like things are out of control. So went to Hong Kong. By now it's time to study for final exams, final year of university. I think I had about three months that I went there. Everyone else had like three weeks, but I literally skipped three months of university to just go into study mode 24 set, like every day for three months. So regimented. I think I did like nine hours a day, three months, all the all the curriculum I had to teach myself because I missed all the, all the classes. And while I was in Switzerland, I was planning, how am I gonna lose 25 kilos in this time, in this period of time? I have to do it. And, you know, I was like sinking into the rabbit hole on YouTube, weight loss before and after transformations, really big numbers, really little time. And I, I saw, okay, there's like, I have some options. I can do a juice fast. I can live on juice for two or three months. I can do some fasting. I can do this, I can do that. And I jumped onto the juice fast thing 
watched so many before and after videos and I was like, let's go. I can do this. I can do this. I had such determination this time <laughs> that went beyond what my body, like the restriction, like, sorry. I was so determined that I could fight the survival instinct of my body to binge or to eat. So for two months, I said to my mom, we're doing a juice fast. She did it with me. Crazy. So we did it. And every day we would do a hike in the morning before our first juice for about two hours in the summer in Hong Kong. So like 35 degrees Celsius, 90% humidity, sweating out everything. And I was so proud of it. I was like, oh my God, I'm on this health kick. The weight dropped in the first, um, let's say three weeks. Then it plateaued severely for a long time. And I snuck in a few binges in the two months, maybe like one or two, but mainly I, I really stuck to it because I was just like, I can't go back to university and have them pity me again. Like I have to go to finals. I can't let them pity me. So I lost, um, I think it was about 10 kilos in that time. And I was like, okay, this is good. Not as good as I want it to be because I just lived on juice for two months and lost 10 kilos. I wasn't too impressed, but I felt much better. And I told myself for the two month exam period back in London, I'll just keep doing the same thing, which I tried, but I, I didn't stick to. I was actually doing, it was crazy, crazy. Like while I'm doing exams, I would juice, make a green juice of two liters. I would go through that all day and then have a binge in the night. I did that for like two months straight, insane. Don't know how I concentrated, but I did it. And by the end of exams, I think I was the same weight. <laughs> Crazy. I was the same weight. And I went to, I went, I went traveling. So finished university, feeling a bit better, but like still everything's out of control, out of control. And I went traveling. I, as I said, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I was very lost. So I decided I'm going to travel for a year or a year and a half around the world. So I literally flew around the world, started in London. I went to Hawaii. I was there on my own. Hawaii, like beautiful. So fucking beautiful. The most beautiful, one of the most beautiful places I've been naturally. So I went to Kauai, if I'm pronouncing it right, which is like very all about the hiking and nature, which I love. So I was there on my own, got a car driving around the island on my own, like living the life, doing these hikes, but still binging before and after. I would drive to fast food restaurants, get to fast food, park in the car park and just binge on like KFC or go to, um, what's it called in the US? I forgot. Oh, safe, safe something. The supermarket. Anyway, I would go there, Nutella, bring it in the car, binge before hikes, binge after so the thing that I, like I had always told myself, I just need to be doing what I love, traveling outdoors, moving my body and it will all be good. But I was still binging. And guess what? I was alone again. I traveled all around the world. I, I went all over the US and the West, like California, Arizona, Utah, Oregon. I went to New Zealand, drove all over the country, both islands. I went to Australia, 
all places like West Coast, East Coast, Tasmania. Like I did even went up to Queensland, like everywhere, everywhere. And I was binging the whole time. There was even a point when, when I was in Sydney, my sister happened to be doing an exchange term semester in Sydney. So I stayed with her for a month or two there in her dorm room. And I remember the embarrassment of um, wanting, I wanted so bad her to leave. Like I needed time to binge. I couldn't hold it in too long. And one day she went out with a friend in the evening. I was like, oh my God, finally, Whew, I can binge. So I went to rush down the elevator to go get my binge food. And as the elevator door opened for me to get to the ground floor and to quickly rush out, and I was like, I think my energy was so frantic. She was going back in the lift with her friend because they'd like forgotten something. And I was so mortified. Like for some reason, I thought that they could read my mind and know what I was doing. I thought I was caught in the act. I was so flustered that I, I made up some like weird excuse why I was leaving. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I've just, uh, yeah, just uh, got some rubbish to put in the bin. Like it was something crazy. And I remember my sister's face and the friend, they were both just like, what, like, what, what is going on? And it was so awkward. And then we just like, I quickly darted out of the elevator. But the point is I was binging the whole time. New Zealand, I remember the most beautiful scenery I got to some dorm room, uh, some like little village at one place. And every time, because I traveled around by bus, every time I the bus stopped somewhere, I'd rush out to the supermarket and get Nutella because I'd like, I'd check that, oh, by the time I get to the village, the only shop will be closed. So I got, I have to get the Nutella before I get there because otherwise what am I going to do? Like I was so desperate to binge. I'd be in my dorm room binging. And I'd always book the single room, which was more expensive, just so I could binge. And in the middle of this beautiful place, it was pretty rainy for a few days, like very, actually very torrential rain. I ran a half marathon on my own in the middle of nowhere in the rain. Like everything on me was drenched. My clothes probably weighed 10 pounds or something because I'd been binging. Like I, I was like, I have to, I have to work this off. I have to. And I was so tired on the half marathon at the end. I, I stopped it like a kilometer short. Okay, guys, I know I just stopped you pretty much mid sentence, but I realized after I recorded this that it's a pretty long episode to put all into one. So I'm cutting it into two, part one, part two. So that concludes part one. And part two will be coming out in just a couple days, or it might even be out already by the time you're listening to this. So head on over there to listen to the rest of the story. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. I know I haven't even fully got to the actual healing part of it, but the whole story of letting you know the past of it really sets it all up to um, make sense of why certain things helped me heal. But anyway, I will leave it there. I hope you have an amazing day and do tune into part two. And that's the scoop for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new that you can start applying to your life. If you took something from this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with someone in your life. 
change someone's day, change their mood or even their life, be that person. I know I love it when my sister sends me podcast episodes. It just shows me that she's really thinking of me and wants to help me elevate my life alongside her. As always, feel free to DM me on Instagram at, at freewithbreed. I'm always open to feedback, so let me know what you want me to speak about, what you love, what you want less of. This podcast is for you after all. Last but not least, here's how to win a one-hour, one-to-one session with me. Enter my monthly draw by sharing this episode or any of the episodes you've enjoyed, whether it's on your stories or on a post, and just make sure to tag me at Free With Breed. Simple as that. Okay, that's it from me. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I will see you next time.